I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we are officially starting an email list as we have some big plans for the podcast and we'll be telling people on the email list first and probably only the people on the email list. So feel free to sign up and get on the email list at f20r.com. That's F as in Frank, two zero, R as in red.com. And I'll see you over there. All right. How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Tomas Hoyos, who is the creator, the CEO of Voro. Tomas, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Uh, It's great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to have you on, especially because I feel like a lot of the companies I have on are based in San Francisco, but you are based in the budding ecosystem of New York City, so I definitely want to get into that later in the podcast. But first, let's talk about what you're working on. What is Voro? Yeah, so Voro is the healthcare social network where people share doctor recommendations with their friends and their neighbors. And so we're starting by making it really easy to get doctor recommendations from people that you know and trust so that you can make health decisions with confidence. And soon we're going to be layering in some data so that people can make some better health decisions. Um, And so that's what we're working on. So let's walk through the user experience. Let's say I was to become a user. How do I get recommendations from my friends or family? Can you just walk walk through how it works for a user? Yeah, I, I think it might be helpful just to understand like why we started the business and what's the experience that we're trying to bring to hundreds of millions of people. Um, so uh, a few years ago, uh, the idea for Voro was born. Um, and so it was born out of personal experience. And everyone's kind of been there where you need to find a doctor to solve a problem and you don't really know where to start. And a lot of times it can be a really difficult um, or challenging experience. Uh, and so a few years ago, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my fiance, was diagnosed with a genetic condition called BRCA. And it's a gene marker that predisposes her to, to breast and ovarian cancer. Um, and so she uh, has an 80% chance of, of getting breast cancer. Um, and so obviously in that moment, it's a really scary thing and you have a bunch of different questions and then you have to make some really important decisions. And so in that moment, I saw how powerful it is to connect with other people who've been through something similar and also the importance of using data to make really great decisions. So right after she found out um, that she has this gene marker, she talked to people in her family. She talked to friends. um, She talked to other women who had BRCA or had experiences with breast cancer. And she learned a ton from, from their experiences. And it was just really useful for her to connect to a people and a community who had been through something similar so she could learn from them, she could get support, and also so she could crowdsource these doctor recommendations. And so after she got a bunch of advice from other people, um, then we looked at data uh, to see who were the surgeons um, that would be really great for her. Uh, so we looked at quality at the institutional level for each hospitals, and then we looked at um, the, the outcome measures for different doctors to see who would be a, a great surgeon. Uh, and so she ended up having a preventative double mastectomy 
and she uh, she's doing great. Um, she, she's doing awesome. Um, but that was sort of the, the first time that I kind of realized that the power of connecting with other people to talk about health and then the importance of using data um, to make really great health decisions. That's extremely powerful. And I, I like how you can kind of, you, if something's not on your radar, then you have a personal experience and then you realize that it's, it's huge and, and it compels you to do something about it, which is start, start this company. I'm curious, can you outline, uh, um, if, you're, if you're open to it, um, you went through this, this experience with, with your then girlfriend, and then it obviously has turned into something, something like what it is now. Can you outline that process of figuring out that you wanted to make a company out of this and then um, kind of walk through your mindset as you went through those different phases? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, I mean, I think every company starts with the seed of an idea. Um, and so this is actually a, a problem um, that's not uncommon. So most people have, have run into this, this problem. And so I kind of saw it firsthand um, and just spent time thinking about it. Uh, and it happens that uh, my co-founder at Voro, um, who's a good friend of mine, I've known him for 20 years, I grew up across the street from him, um, also had uh, a similar experience where he saw the power of connecting with other people to get access to the right information at the right time and then make a great health decision. And so it was really the combination of my experience and then also his experience um, that led us to, to start the company together. Uh, and so um, Drew's story, his name is Drew Tunney. Uh, Drew's story is that uh, when he was in college, um, he developed a chronic skin condition called psoriasis and he had red spots all over his body. Um, and so he spent years trying to navigate the healthcare system and find a doctor who could get him, uh, get him better. And it wasn't until he had a chance encounter um, with a friend of a friend that he met when he moved to a new city um, who noticed that he had a bunch of red spots and had a great recommendation for him for an awesome dermatologist who specialized uh, in psoriasis that he was able to get better. So he ran into this friend, and the friend said, hey, man, I think you might actually have, um, like, do you have psoriasis? I have psoriasis. I don't know what you're doing about it, but I've actually had a lot of success at the UCSF Psoriasis Center. There's a great doctor who's pioneering some new kinds of treatments, um, and I think you might be able to give it a shot. And so um, Drew took that, that advice, and he was willing to try anything at this point, and he made it to the hospital, um, and he got prescribed a new kind of, of treatment called UVB light therapy. Um, which is essentially like hopping into a tanning bed, um, and uh, and he was able to totally clear up his uh, his skin. And so his first thought was, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And his second thought was, "Can I have my five years back? Like, why did it take so long to have access to this information? It was at my fingertips, but I just didn't know that I had access to it, and it just radically improved his quality of life." So at the time, Drew was working on the, the West Coast in San Francisco, and I was in New York. Um, we both had these experiences, and we're talking, uh, we're talking about it. And so then we decided to jump in um, and build something from, uh, from nothing. That's awesome. Uh, I love that story. I, I want to get into kind of the the way someone can get involved with Voro on a on in a user basis the the way that I want to get into it is that I about uh, how long it must have been a, 
a little over or a little under a decade ago was diagnosed with something super, super rare called Klein-Leppin syndrome. And at the time I, I haven't, I, I knew no one else that had it. And I am sure there are tons of uh, situations like this where you go through a health kind of a health thing and you want to find other people like you mentioned that you that have also gone through that thing that you can connect with is this a platform that that one helps you find those people is it kind of about community is it um can you just go into some of the features or ways that someone could use uh your platform yeah absolutely so so very tactically you can find us at voro.com so that's vias and victor o-r-o.com and so you can show up to Voro um, and you can connect with your friends. And so a main way that people do that is they log in to Facebook. Um, and once you have that social layer and that social filter, um, similar to other apps like dating apps like Hinge, where you can log in with Facebook and date your friends' friends right away, or Venmo, where you can log in with Facebook um, and send and receive money with your friends right away, you can do the same thing with Voro. And so it just lets you sort of filter that world um, so that you can get recommendations from, from people that you trust. Uh, and then the second thing you can do um, is that you can join groups or communities of, of people um, to get uh, those doctor recommendations and also ask and answer uh, the, uh, questions from, from other people who've been through something similar. And then also, um, once you have those doctor recommendations um, and you're looking at these specific doctors, uh, you can go to their profile, um, you can see photos, you can read about them, um, you can see other people's experiences, uh, and then you can book an appointment with the doctor. Uh, and Voro has tools that'll help you verify your insurance. You can make sure the doctor is in network, uh, and they'll help you schedule an appointment. Man, this is such a powerful idea and powerful product. Just because I know for what it's like, just like millions of other people, to go through something health-wise, but not necessarily know where to go, who to talk to, where community to join. Um, so after after this, I'm definitely gonna go on and see if there's already a community of KLSers, and if not, if I can make my own, I will. Um, so big kudos on building this. Um, I'm curious to to know. You mentioned that. You're, you're building this, but you're based on, on the East Coast in New York City. I'm curious, what has it been like building this tech startup in New York um, in the, the second, like in the, the, the best tech hub on the East Coast um, with all the capital? Like, what's it kind of like over there? Yeah, so, so I love New York. Um, it's an amazing city and it has, uh, it, it's just like an incredible place. Um, that has tons of culture, but also it's a great environment to build a, a company. And it's every day getting more and more powerful. And you're seeing um, that, that technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in the city. Um, and so you actually see it. Um, you see companies moving here all the time. Stripe just uh, opened an office. Um, Grand Central Tech is opening a massive one-block building that looks out over uh, Grand Central and, uh, and so you're just seeing there's tons of people and resources who are building companies uh, from, from New York. Um, but it also has, like, at its core, um, like, a, a really strong community of people who are in, who are in finance. Um, and so that's, like, accessible to you. Um, but as far as, like, building a company in tech in New York, it's a great place to be. There's lots of investors. Every day there's more and more talent, um, and there's more and more resources. 
Speaking of resources, I know that we were talking about right before the podcast that you just raised a, a seed round. Uh, so congratulations on that. I'd love to dive Thank into uh, kind of the process of raising your seed round and might ask some particular questions about that. But overall, what was it like raising a seed round? Uh, yeah, so uh, so we closed a two and a half million dollar seed round, um, and really what that lets us do is bring Voro to a much larger community of people, um, and then also build a world class team to go capture that that opportunity. Um, and so uh, fundraising uh, is about bringing a bunch of different people and resources around the table to help make a vision uh, a reality. We're really excited about the group that we pulled together. Um, Setting, setting out on fundraising, we really wanted to get a great group of consumer and healthcare investors around the table. Um, and so we have some, some people with, with a great consumer background um, who have experience with businesses with network effects. And then also we have some of the best uh, healthcare entrepreneurs in the world on the cap table. Um, but, but really, like the common thread between all those people um, is that they could believe in this vision. And that's connecting people around health um, and incorporating data and information so that hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of people are making better, faster health decisions, and as a result, living longer and better lives. And so, as you bring the world around health and you start to incorporate data, you can make a massive difference in people's lives because you're helping them make these better, faster health decisions. And then also, when you have a community of people that are coming together, um, those people support each other. They have access to the right information at the right time, and also you're seeing stigma go away. So that people are sharing health information openly. Um, they're doing it to help others and to help the community of people around them. Um, and it's really like an empowering force. It's a movement of people um, who know that healthcare stigma shouldn't be a thing. Um, and it should be that when you have a problem, you should have access to the right information at the right time. You should be able to connect with people and talk with people um, so that you can solve your, your problem. So you said that you raised a super healthy two and a half million. So congrats on like a very solid seed round. I want to get tactical here because a lot of people listening, um, they maybe have raised money, maybe they haven't, but everyone could learn a little more about the process. So to raise that money, did you have to find a lead investor first or did it just come together? Uh, where, how did the, how'd you first start to get traction with your fundraise? Um, yeah. So, so the way it worked for us is that we built, uh, we built up a bunch of momentum um, with other founders and angel investors um, who had built sort of meaningful businesses that were similar to Voro. Um, and when we had a little bit of momentum uh, with them, then we, uh, we met with institutional lead investors. Uh, and so we ended up um, uh, getting an institutional lead investor in the round, uh, floodgate led the round. Uh, and so it was really just sort of like building momentum um, from individuals and entrepreneurs and founders and angels, and then meeting institutional investors, uh, and then having someone who really believes in the vision um, someone who, uh, who we would love to work with. Um, and we are huge fans of theirs. They're awesome. We love Floodgate. So you say building momentum, just to clarify, you mean building momentum on the fundraising side, like you got angels to cut checks, or did you mean building momentum on the customer side or, or, or both? Yeah, it's both. Um, so the, the trick is that, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to, fundraising is sort of a full-time job, uh, and 
uh, you want it to go really well and, and it requires a ton of time and attention to, to do well. But at the same time, you want to make sure that the business um, is going well because that's ultimately what you're working on. Um, and, and fundraising is just a, um, to get you some capital so you have a resources to, to make your vision a reality. Um, and the great thing is that um, we could divide and conquer. Uh, so um, I basically took on fundraising uh, as uh, a, a job that I was really focused on. And Drew was able to focus on, on building the product and talking to users and making sure that we, every day we were making Vora more and more useful. Um, and also at the time, um, you know, the network was growing. It was growing super fast. And so it took a lot of energy to, um, to, to keep that going. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, you know, uh, jump, trying to uh, build a plane uh, as, as, you're, as you're falling through the sky. I know there's some sort of metaphor there. Yeah, that's uh, I think it, like Ben Horowitz one's like putting together an airplane as it's or putting together your parachute after you jumped out of the airplane or something like that. Yeah. So you you're building momentum with, with angels. You're also building. You're also growing your customer base. Um, did you need to meet with twenty VC firms before you got that one uh, you know floodgate to commit, or what was that process once you built that momentum? Yeah, definitely. I, I think just as a general rule for founders going into to fundraising, particularly for a seed round, um, you should just know that you're going to hear no a lot. Um, and then you just have to be really resilient uh, and while you're going through the process. Um, and so you're going to get a, a series of no's, but, but the best thing you want to do is to look for uh, a champion. So someone who really believes in this vision and sort of the perfect investor for your company. So they have um, like an, like a, a passionate burning desire to invest in your company um, in this space at this time, um, and then uh, you know sort of getting them excited and and uh, and, and on board. Got it. So you you find that that champion, uh, and then something I I don't think that is talked about almost at all in the fundraising process is one is what happens after you find that lead and the process of closing, um, closing the round. So I guess two questions for you here. Um, one, this first one might be somewhat unrelated, but I should have already asked, how did you know that you wanted to raise two and a half million? Why not 2 million? Why not three? And then was closing the round as simple as just having your lead investor make all these intros or was it still a struggle? Was it hard to lose two and a half? What was it like after you got that initial commit? Yeah. So, so to take your, your second question. Um, so after you uh, have decided to work with an institutional investor, a lot of times you'll get uh, a term sheet, uh, which is basically um, sort of a, a written commitment from the investor um, to participate in your rounds with a certain set of, of terms. Um, and so once that happens, there's a ton of inbound interest. Um, from from other people usually um, who uh, who like your company or have been following it or tracking it um, but haven't gotten to the moment where they're ready to commit um, and invest in the round and so that was definitely true uh, in our case um, we knew that um, just from our interactions uh, with floodgate and we work really closely with Mike Maples there just that that we were huge fans of the way they viewed the world um, and their experience with similar businesses was just like really hard to, to compete with. And they're just really kind, great people um, who believe in this vision and want to make it a reality. So, um, so you know, it was pretty soon after, um, you know, 
uh, Floodgate said that they wanted to lead the round, that we knew that they'd be a really great partner, uh, a great partner for us. And as far as the, the amount of capital um, that, that we wanted to raise, um, it gave us uh, sort of enough cushion to build a team uh, that, that we wanted to to go capture the vision and the market and the opportunity and, and hit milestones um, to, uh, to raise your, your next round of funding. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny you that you mentioned how Floodgate is a great partner because I've had now, I think, three other founders on the podcast who, who Floodgate has also invested in. And they all just speak so, so incredibly well about Mike and, and the team over there. And it just proves that if you're, if you're a good person and you build a good firm, reputation gets around. That's probably why they're able to get, like they're able to be such a great firm is because they're just good people doing deals with other good people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So is there any part of the fundraising process that you, that you, experience that you didn't necessarily expect or something that you thought you prepared for everything but it hit you and and it kind of blindsided you well well i think just some some things to keep in mind generally when when you're going into a fundraise um and when you're uh when particularly you're where you're raising a seed round so one is just the why like why are you raising the capital is now the right moment and how much are you raising and what's that where that where is that going to get you is that actually going to help you Sort of make your vision uh, a reality, um, and then the the second thing is just making sure that you're prepared going into the process, and so that means um, doing the work upfront to know who are the investors um, that are the right kinds of investors for your business, and then figuring out um, what's the most efficient way to to get in front of them um, and to run a really uh, sort of like efficient organized process so that you can put fundraising behind you and get back to what really matters, which is building your business. Um, and so, you know, what, what we did, which is really effective, is we built an investor pipeline um, just so we can understand, like, who's the universe of investors um, could be a great fit for us. Uh, and then we sort of systematically worked our way through it um, to try and make fundraising as, as efficient as possible. Got it. Yeah, that's all super helpful and demystifies some of the process for, for the people listening. So, so thank you for that. I want to shift now back uh, to Voro. Now, you've raised all this money you want to build a world-class team and, and you want to swing for the fences. I'd love to know what's the big vision for Vero, uh, what direction are you headed in and what does it look like in a decade or 10 decades? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so what we're doing is we're connecting people around health and then giving them the information they need so they can make great health decisions. And so in 10 years, what we would love is hundreds of millions of people living longer, better lives. And the reason that they're doing that is that they've made these really great health decisions. And the way that they've made those great health decisions is they've used advice from people that they know and trust, and then they've had access to data so that they can make better health decisions. And the, the first step of that is connecting people around health. Today, there's no place where you can go and connect with other people who've been through something similar or talk to your friends about health and have access to the right information at the right time so you can book a doctor and get better and solve your problem. Um, and also when you connect people around health, um, what you do is you start to destigmatize the healthcare conversation because you start to figure out that we're all humans and we've all been through these similar experiences of having something come up and needing to answer a question or solve a problem in a moment and just knowing that there's so much help 
buried around you in the lived experiences of other people who've been through something similar, but you just don't have access to them. And so that's the world that we want to build. And at the same time, when we're helping people make these great health decisions, um, also there's a massive amount of waste in the healthcare system. So 30 cents of every single dollar in healthcare goes towards low quality or inefficient or ill-advised medical care. And so that adds up to hundreds of billions of dollars. And so what we think we can do is align incentives between consumers, um, help them get the recommendations from people they trust, but also have access to data to make better health decisions, and then align that with people who pay for health care. So the insurers, the self-insured employers, the government, um, who have a huge vested interest in helping people make these better, more efficient health decisions. This is a little coming from left field, but it's something that I just thought of as you, as you gave me that answer. There is, seems to be a little bit of a trend, uh, hopefully, maybe it's not a trend, but um, there being these preventative healthcare like, centers that are popping up. I don't know exactly how to, what to call them, but like Forward is one that, I, that I'm thinking of, which is based in San Francisco. And these, these kind of like futuristic doctors that are very focused very much so on preventative care. Um, do you, I, I'm not very knowledgeable on, on this at all, but I think it's definitely going in the right direction. Do you see a trend shifting in, in this way? And I guess on a higher level, what trends do you see happening in the, the health industry that kind of interest you? Yeah. So, so I guess to tackle your, your first question. Um, so there are businesses that have popped up like one medical or parsley health or forward that are trying to reimagine the healthcare experience for the modern day consumer. Um, and so uh, for each one of those businesses, a lot of times what they're doing is setting up a new kind of doctor office that's enabled with technology. And it's sort of trying to make up a, a better consumer health experience that makes it easy to find someone to book. Um, and they also end up uh, charging uh, money. Sometimes you can get it paid for through your employer and insurance company, but a lot of times it's uh, sort of a, a consumer paying money out of pocket to have access to a, a better kind of health experience. And so you definitely have seen those businesses crop up. Um, and some people really love those products. Um, but the, uh, there's a massive long tail of doctors in the country that are serving um, dozens of patients a day uh, and helping them get better over time. Um, so there's sort of a, a very small corner of the market and one that's, that's interesting and, and growing. Um, but the majority of doctors aren't operating in, in practices like that. And as far as sort of uh, trends in, in healthcare, um, if you think about like Voro as an example, there's sort of three things that make Voro possible for the first time and why we're succeeding. And so the first um, we've touched on, um, but I want to revisit, which is that healthcare stigma is going away and people are much more comfortable talking about health openly. And if you go on Twitter and you go to the public square, you see people talking about mental health, women's health, uh, openly um, and without embarrassment for the first time. And that's a really powerful, amazing thing um, that people are coming together and talking about health because it shouldn't be the case that it's embarrassing that you see a doctor to solve a problem because we're all human and we all go through the similar thing. So that's sort of the, the first mega trend. And then the second thing that, that makes Fora possible for the first time um, is that you can build products on top of existing social networks to deliver new kinds of experiences. Um, so we talked a little bit about the power of dating apps and 
and Venmo and other products where it becomes a lot easier to build a community of people really quickly. And so that's another thing that's propelling Dora forward. And then the third thing is that um, there actually is data in the world that would be really useful to consumers as they're making health decisions. Um, and consumers just don't have access to it. So if you can imagine a world where um, in one year we go skiing for the weekend and unfortunately I fall and I hear a pop in my knee. And so I might have torn my ACL and now I need to find a knee surgeon to operate on me. Um, well, it'd be amazing if I could get recommendations from everyone that I know and trust instantly verify that this doctor accepts my insurance, know exactly how much it's going to cost before I go in to, to see this doctor, um, independently see how good this doctor is so I could see that they're 95th percentile on outcomes for, for ACL surgeries. They've done 500 procedures in the last 12 months with these success stories. I can talk to other people who've been to that doctor um, and had these, had these experiences with them, book an appointment right there. Um, go in, have the procedure get better, and then share that experience with a, with a community of people who would get a ton of value from, um, from that experience. So that's sort of the, the world that we're building. So you're building this world, and along the way, you're going to need tons of help, whether it's from investors, from, from employees, from you know, friends, etc. And uh, I always kind of think of this podcast is another opportunity to help its guests um, or to help my kind of my guests come on and see if we can help them move the needle forward. So my question to you is there, is there an ask or a, a favor that the forward thinking founders community can do for you or help you with that will help you move the needle a little bit further? How can we help? Yeah. So, so the first thing is that I also want to pay it forward. So um, it's, there's something that you think I can help with, email me at tomas at boro.com or hit me up on Twitter at Tomas Toyos. But the, the main thing um, that, that we are focused on right now is building a world-class team. So we're hiring um, software developers. And so if there are folks out there um, who, who believe in this vision of helping millions of people make better, faster health decisions so they can lead better lives and, and solving real problems for real people, Every single day, we're seeing Boro make a huge difference in the lives of people um, who are making these really important health decisions. Um, we'd love to meet you and talk to you. So send me an email, hit me up on Twitter. Um, we're building an incredible group of people. Um, we have an amazing support system, and we have a community of people on Boro um, that is large and getting much larger every single day. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're biased, but we think that this is an amazing opportunity to make a huge difference. Um, and so we'd love to talk to you if you're, uh, you know, if you're interested in joining us and, and uh, hopping on the rocket ship. All right. You all heard it here first. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I, I love your vision, love your energy. And I'm looking forward to seeing the rocket ship take off and, and hit escape velocity. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, Matt.